0: Today is November 4th, 2022. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. My name's Juan. Let's talk some boxing. It's been a wild weekend in the sport of boxing. We've had a lot of ups and downs, mostly downs, of course, still dealing with the Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence fallout. Sucks that the fight isn't happening, but. Just like life, boxing will deliver things when you least expect it. Everyone's down on the sport, everyone's upset. Twitter is a very toxic environment when it comes to boxing, because the biggest fight of the year, the biggest fight in the sport period, fell through. And fans were upset about it, and rightfully so. But out of nowhere, we were blessed with a gift. We were handed a gift on a silver platter, it seems. Caleb Plant himself announced that he is fighting David Benavidez early next year. Um, The date hasn't been confirmed yet, but he did confirm he has signed his contract. It is signed, sealed, and delivered. And David Benavidez also confirmed it shortly after on his own Instagram account. And Steven Espinoza of Showtime retweeted it. So it's official. We're getting it. One of the biggest fights in the sport period is taking place. Two of the best 168-pound boxers are going to get in the ring finally and settle their differences. They've had a long storied rivalry going back years now. These two simply do not like each other. And finally, they're going to settle it in the ring. We're going to see who really is the better fighter. Great styles clash. David Benavidez is high pressure, high volume. He has extremely fast hands. He's looking to make a fight. And then you have Caleb Plant, on the other hand, who's a great jabber, great mover, great legs, footwork, uh, excellent left hand, excellent left hook. So it's going to be fun to watch. I can't wait to see that one. It has everyone excited again about the sport. And that's boxing for you. It's a roller coaster. One week, it's horrible. The next week, it's the best thing in the world. Welcome to this sport. It's the wild, wild west. You cannot predict it. What I'd like to predict is this weekend's fights. We have some fantastic matchups on hand. Again, everyone's down on boxing, but we have things like this. This Saturday, two of the best light heavyweights in the world are stepping in the ring for a championship for the WBA title in Abu Dhabi. Whatever way you slice it, these are two of the top three light heavyweights in the world. Of course, better Biev has to be in the mix somewhere, whether you rate him one, whether you rate him two, he has to be in your top two. But right there at three is Gilberto Ramirez, Zerto as they call him. Zerto meaning southpaw in Spanish. This guy is a Mexican warrior. 6 3, 44 and 0, 30 knockouts, high pressure. This guy is huge for the division, an excellent body puncher. He likes to corner opponents, he's willing to sell out, land big shots. This guy provides nonstop pressure. His whole game basically is to pin you in the corner or pin you up against the ropes and unload on your body. He is standing in there with Dimitri Bivol. rise to fame after beating Canelo. This guy, six feet tall. 11 knockouts. Bivol is just a sensational boxer. I don't know what other way to put it, what other way to describe him. This guy will give you 12 rounds of beautiful boxing brilliance. It starts with the footwork with this dude. He's so advanced, he makes it look simple. He makes it look easy. He's a master of distance, a master of positioning. His feet are always a step ahead of you. Where he can move, as you're about to throw. So by the time you. By the, by the time your punch gets to it's destination. people is no longer there. By the time you realize that. He's sticking that jab in your face. This guy is one of the best jabs in the sport. The jab. The distance. The combinations he throws with. A perfect technical one-two. Jab. Straight right hand. The basics work for this guy. He can also throw combinations with the same hand. He'll throw the jab Left hook really quickly. This guy has so many different tricks, so many different nuances to his game. It is brilliant to watch. He's not going to knock you out with one punch. That's not his game. He's not even really looking to knock you out. He is completely content with outclassing you over 12 rounds. We've seen this guy disarm Canelo. He outlanded Canelo in every single round. Let me repeat that. He went 12 rounds with Canelo Alvarez for a championship fight Outlanded Canelo in every single round. For those interested in numbers, shout out to Dan Canobio of Copybox. Bivel has not been outlanded in his last 37 rounds. In 65 of his last 76, this dude is nuts. He's also held opponents to single digits. In 130 of his last 140 rounds. He's number 2 in the whole sport in defense. His opponents only land 5.6 punches per round. He's also number 2 in the entire sport in jabs landed. He lands 9 a round. That jab is constantly in your face. Making you reset whatever you're doing. You want to be a big power puncher like, like Ramirez is trying to be? and You have that jab in your face. It forces you to reset. You plot, you you plant your feet, you set up a shot, you get jabbed, you have to replant those feet because Bivol is moving again. It's going to be tough in there for the Ramirez. This guy, like I said, he's high pressure, he's high volume, he's big power puncher, but he has to get leverage on these shots, and I don't know if he's going to get to with a guy like Bivol because he's constantly moving. He's like a skater in there. It's so he glides across the ring. Does Bivol? It's going to be hard to catch him. If he does catch him, then Bevel will be in trouble because, like I said, Gilberto is a devastating body puncher. He has to get to the body early and often to slow down the movement of Bevel. My mind tells me that Bevo is going to do what he always does, a 12-round decision unanimously. But I do believe there will be moments in this fight where he is in big trouble because Ramirez is relentless. Like I said, this is a 44-0 fighter. He's unbeaten. He doesn't know how to lose. He's not going to give it up. He's not going to just lay down for Bivol. He's not going to be super impressed and, and blinded by his his movement. He is going to go in there and try to destroy Dimitri Bivol. He's going to try and hurt him with everything he throws. But Bivol, I just think his his mind is too sharp. He doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to panic. He's a guy that was laughing at the thought of Canelo beating him. He's like, this guy's a smaller guy. What chances does he have? Now He's in there with a bigger guy. This is a real threat. This is a real challenge. This is a 175-pound division. Ramirez is going to go into that fight weighing close to 200. That's how big this dude is. He's a big guy for 175. So if he gets close in on Beavil and he lets that weight hang on him, because Beevil's a guy that walks around close to his fighting weight. He doesn't balloon up and wait. He's not the guy ordering extra food at at the fast food restaurant or anything like that. This guy is in tip-top shape. Ramirez, not to say he's not in shape, but he's a big dude. If he comes in there and starts weighing on Beevil and can get close on him to grab him and push off him and and position him into the ropes and lean on him and, and land those big body shots, it will be tough. But it's a big if because Beevil is a master, like I said. I like Beevil. Unanimous decision. But I expect a fun one. This is not going to be an easy fight. These are two of the best in the world. Two out of the top three in my book. Again, I go back to it all the time. When we say the best aren't fighting the best, we got to look and, and see where what we're talking about when we say that. This right here is the best fighting the best. The winner should go on to fight Better BF to see who the true best is at 175, and that is going to be a tall task for whoever leaves Abu Dhabi with the light heavyweight championship. Tune into this one. This one will be on zone. I believe it's going to be on earlier in the day, maybe 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock Eastern. Should be a fun one. Both undefeated. You can't really ask for too many better matchups than this. These guys aren't huge stars. But like I said. This is a guy who outclassed Canelo. And you got a guy who's 44-0. Who's been talking about wanting to surpass Floyd Mayweather's 50-0. So we'll see what happens. Under the bright lights. Saturday. Tomorrow actually. November 5th. It's something you simply do not want to miss. Speaking of do not want to miss fights. David Morrell is a guy you do not want to miss. He's also in action tomorrow. He's actually going to be in action later in the night. So you can easily watch both of these. They're not going to conflict. and They're not going to run into each other. The Abu Dhabi card on his zone is earlier in the day. And then later at night on Showtime, you have David Morrell headlining in what is easily his toughest matchup to date. He's matched up really tough against Aydos Yebrasin Uli. Now, for the benefit of me not butchering his last name, I'm going to refer to him for the rest of this time as Idos, which is his first name. Idos Yebrosin That's the last time I'm saying that last name. You're not catching me messing up. But that is going to be Morell's toughest challenge. Now, you may not think that's much. David Morrell only has seven fights. 7-0, 6 KOs. Idos is 16-0 and with 11 KOs. But David Morrell is much more experienced than his record has you to believe. Because... This guy is of the Cuban background. If you're familiar at all with Cuban uh, boxers, you know that their amateur record and their amateur pedigree runs deep. These guys are trained differently than everywhere else around the world. They seem to be a little more slick, in my opinion, um, a little more defensively oriented, a little more technical than others. So this guy, in his amateur record, Dave Amorello, was 135-2. and two. That shows you this guy is pretty elite. At the amateur level, especially coming from Cuba, you know it's highly, highly competitive. So this guy defected to the U.S. Now he's 7-0, 6 KOs, and this is a step up because Iidos is a tough, tough fighter. Um, he comes from Kazakhstan. He has an extensive amateur record of his own. Iidos is going to provide different looks for David Morrell. I'm extremely high on David Morrell. He's young. He's a little raw. But I think he has what it takes to compete with anybody at 168. And I mean anybody. Canelo, Caleb Plant, David Benavidez. I'm sure all those guys will be favored over Morrell. But I will not bet on those guys with confidence if David Morrell is standing across the ring. But back to this matchup on Saturday. You got high dose, very unknown, could cause problems in football the NFL, we talk about trap games, when a good team is has like a tough matchup on the horizon, but in between, they have a mediocre game, a mediocre team on the schedule. We call that a trap game because, you know, maybe that mediocre team is going to bring their A game, and you are looking forward, or the good team is looking forward to something bigger, and they don't really come in at their best, and they end up losing that game. This could be one of those. Not to say Eidos is mediocre, but he's unknown. People are not talking about him whatsoever. This is a slept on fight. And he provides some awkwardness. Eidos is a guy who crouches really low at times. He has a wide, wide stance. He changes the levels really often in the middle of a fight. But he's very responsible defensively. He keeps that right hand at home. In other words, he keeps that right hand tucked against his face, protecting himself. He paused... With the left hand, as an orthodox fighter, he paused with with that jab, sticks it out there a lot, but he's not looking to land every jab. He wants you to get out of position so he can land something to the body. He's definitely looking to land to Morrell's body, but he's very disciplined with the right hand. He's always looking to catch your shots with that right hand. While he's defending himself, he's catching whatever you got, slapping it down, trying to deflect it. On the other hand, look at David Morrell... And this guy really has all the tools. That's why I'm so high on him. He's fast. He's athletic. He's defensively responsible. He moves his head. He can throw with both hands with power. He dips low as well. Uh, the footwork's there. He can fight off his back foot a little bit. He has a good jab. Look for Morrell in this fight to, to throw a lot of right hooks. Because Iidos will be pawing with the jab of his own, leaving that part of his face open. I think Morrell can land some big right hands. Morel's fast-handed and throws with bad intentions. He's looking to stop you. But like I said, he can dip low too, but he usually does that to throw you off, to get you to throw. He wants to counter with something big. As soon as there's an opening, or as soon as you believe there's an opening, and you go to throw, that's when Morel looks to counter with those hooks. I think Morel finds a way to stop Idoz, and I think it's going to be with the right hand. Even though Morel's a southpaw, I like the right hook. I like the right uppercut to be the big Game changing shots in this fight. Look for Morrell to make a statement. Like I said, he he's looking to make something big. Even though we only had seven fights, he's looking for the Benavides. He's looking for the Caleb Plant. He's looking for Jamel Charlo, or Jamal Charlo rather, to move up to one sixty eight. He's looking for those big fights. And he's gonna make a statement on Saturday night on showtime. He's the main event and he's coming to put someone's lights out. And that's IDOS, unfortunately. Best case scenario is IDOS can really provide a little bit of tricks, a little bit of of pause to what David Morello is trying to do because I think that'll help him um, with experience, especially a guy that people are unfamiliar with. Maybe there's not so much footage of him out there. I don't know, but it's on Showtime. It starts at 9 p.m., does the card, and there's a couple good names on this card. Uh, I think we have Jason Rosario either on the co-main or in the early, early fight of the televised portion, and you also have Nathaniel Gallimore in there with a guy... I'm not too familiar with. Fedor Zerkasin. So I can't really say what he brings to the table. I know he's undefeated. But I know what Nathaniel Gallimore brings to the table. And he's a tough out for anyone. He brings the hammer. He throws big power shots. He's looking to make it a brawl. So if this guy Fedor can get by him, that'll be a nice statement. And it'll be good for the 154-pound division because we know that division always provides fireworks. Also deep on this undercard is the return of J-Rock, Julian Williams. I'm very curious to see what he can do. Again, he's in there with kind of a a tune-up type opponent, but he needs it. He's a guy that's been through a lot of ups and downs in the sport, been knocked out a few times. So we got to see what he can bring. He's coming off two back-to-back losses. He had the vicious knockout by Jason Rosario in 2020. And then his comeback fight, he lost a split decision to Vladimir Hernandez. So we need to see what he can do. Can he get back to prominence? He was a top player. He was a world champion at 154. And he's only 32 years of age. So he can definitely get back in the mix. But he must win this fight. This is a must win for him. Coming off back-to-back losses. So I'm curious to see what J-Rock can bring to the table. He's always been a fun fighter. Fun to watch. Action type guy. So I will be tuned into that one. That's it for this weekend though. Two big fights. um, The Morel fight. And of course the light heavyweight clash in Abu Dhabi. Plenty of options this weekend. Don't be too down on the sport again. We know we're not getting Crawford and spent soon and that's because Terrence Crawford is ducking and that's a term that gets thrown out a lot and it's usually thrown out there in like a joking term, joking way I mean, but this is a real thing here. This is a guy who's ducking and that is my opinion. Like the podcast says, everyone has an opinion. This just happens to be mine, but it's an opinion that I think it's kind of hard to argue against because this is a guy who, and you can watch his little 20 minute video that he put out trying to explain his side. Well, he waited about two weeks before he put that out. That tells me he was trying to get his lies in order, get his story straight because the things he's saying really didn't make sense. The guy said he had 50 million coming from some unknown source that he wouldn't name. Didn't even tell Errol Spence where it came from, calls him up and expects him to make the fight. Then he says, um, he's his own boss which he is now because he's free of the top rank promotion. He says, I'm my own boss. Spence isn't his own boss, so he couldn't really um, negotiate like I could. This and that. Then he says um, why he didn't fight Ortiz or Boots is because those names didn't come up. Well, if you're your own boss, you make the names come up. You tell us or tell them that you want to fight them. You're your own boss. Make a big fight. If you're your own boss and you're willing to fight the best, then why are you fighting a scrub? I'm not even going to mention the guy's name. You can listen to my other podcast episodes if you want to hear the guy's name. It's really not even worth me mentioning on my airwaves. This guy is fighting a bum relative to his status. Terrence Crawford is known as one of the best in the sport, and that he is. He's extremely talented. He's elite, and he's fighting a guy nobody heard of. He's fighting a guy nobody wants to see. He's fighting a guy who's known to be a step-up for prospects, that's the type of guy he's fighting. And he's saying, he said in the past, Top Rank was holding him back. Top Rank wasn't giving him the fights he wanted. Well, the second you're free from Top Rank, you go and give us this? Trash. Sorry, it's a duck. For some reason, you don't want to fight Earl Spence Jr. And you want to get the easy money? That's totally fine. Do it. But be straightforward about it. Tell us you want the big money. Even say, Hey, I needed a tune up, but he won't even say that. And why he won't say that? Because that's a lie. Because this is a guy who's been fighting once a year for the last like five or six years. This guy only fights once a year. So, tune up, what are you talking about? You've seen Floyd Mayweather come out of over a year of retirement and wash a Hall of Famer, Juan Manuel Marquez. You've seen Sugar Ray Leonard go, what was it, two years out the ring before coming back and taking on undefeated monster middleweight champion Marvin Hagler and beat him. That's what great fighters do. If Terrence Crawford is this, is as great as he says he is, if he's all-time great Hall of Fame level fighter, we don't want to hear the excuses, bro. Just make the fight. Just make the damn fight. And that is something you failed to do, and that's why I will not be supporting this trash product he's trying to put out garbage. It's a duck, plain and simple. We're going to find out Spence's opponent pretty soon, and it's going to be a high-caliber opponent, because that's all Earl Spence does. And I'm not saying this as an Earl Spence fan. I'm saying this as a boxing fan, because the proof is in the pudding, as Floyd Mayweather would always say. The facts are there, man. Go back and look at the resume of Earl Spence. This is a guy, car crash, no problem. I'll fight Danny Garcia. Eye surgery? No problem. I'll go out there and fight Ugas, who just beat Pacquiao. This guy doesn't believe in tune-ups. He believes in fighting the best available. And Terrence Crawford has made himself unavailable. How convenient. But that's it. I'm done ranting about this guy. He's taking up enough time on this podcast. Listen. This weekend we have some good fights. Enjoy him. Share the podcast. Like it. Subscribe to it. Give me that five-star review. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Have a great weekend. I'm out.